Hello, it's Matt DeSaro, and we're back with the OWASP podcast. And in this episode, I host Greg Anderson and Cody Mafuchi to talk about Defect Dojo. Defect Dojo is an OWASP flagship project that aims to be the single source of truth for AppSec or product security teams. It provides a single pane of glass for security programs and can import and normalize over 150 different security tools. I thought the OWASP podcast might as well have an OWASP project on it now and then. And so here we go. Hi, this is Matt Tassaro, and I'm here today with Greg Anderson and Cody Mafucci. And we're going to talk about one of the OWASP projects, OWASP Defect Dojo. Greg, Cody, would you like to quickly introduce yourselves? Yeah, thanks, Matt. My name is Greg Anderson. I'm the creator of Defect Dojo and the project leader. Hi, Matt. I'm Cody Mafucci. I guess you can call me a core contributor to Defect Dojo, and Greg leads me. And for full disclosure, I have been involved in the OWASP Defect Dojo project for quite some time. So if you hear some biases, I just want to let you know where I'm coming from. So first things first, for those people who may not have heard of OWASP Defect Dojo, what is it? Why would you use it? What's the reasoning behind it? Why did you start the project? Yeah, so Defect Dojo is a tool about centralizing your AppSec tools. It was something that I started 10 years ago and has grown massively. 10 million people have downloaded the project. People who use it today, it is made to create a single pane of glass for AppSec tools across 150 different tools. We also have a number of smart features for making those tools better. And so that includes things like deduplication and, and false positive removal and a couple other features that actually distill findings from scanners to make the results better and more actionable. So the idea there was that if you're running an AppSec program and you're in a diverse environment with C Sharp and Java code and cloud and all this other kind of containers, and I have 15 different tools that have their very snowflakey way to produce output. And I want to make that sane. That's something I can do with Defect Dojo. So when I started, it was kind of like the dark ages, to be honest with you. When I first got into security, how we made reports is typically by hand or even in Microsoft Excel. And it was painful. It was painful. I couldn't figure out why we were doing it that way. I had spent probably 80% of my time doing reports and not actually doing the things that I like to do, which was try to break into products. And so Defect Dojo was originally something I created out of necessity for myself. And then once the light bulb for security automation came on, and that's where folks started to shift their work to, including myself, we went and pursued making Defect Dojo flexible to work with CI/CD pipelines. Nice. And let's say you've sold me and I want to go get Defect Dojo today, right now, and install it and play. What are, what are my options there? We support a variety of different options. The official way to do it is via Docker images from our GitHub. For the Brave, there's also Kubernetes, but we don't officially support Kubernetes because is painful, to be honest with you. Excellent. And so do you guys have any kind of interesting, I mean, you've had this thing for, or the project has been around for 10 years. Do you have any interesting sort of use cases you've heard people grabbing Dojo and doing something weird or different or surprisingly big, small, or any kind of unusual tales? In my experience, everyone does security a little differently. And we've tried to accommodate that in Defect Dojo. So... For people who are just getting started in security, you can simply combine reports, et cetera. 
We also tried to make Defect Dojo extremely performant. That was one of our tenants. And so that made the structure simple in some regards. But on the top end, we've tested it with 20 million findings. There's people sort of in every phase and spectrum of security using Defect Dojo for various reasons. Yeah, I've got a unique perspective coming to Defect Dojo because it was kind of the, the beginning of my career, so to speak, is my background as a developer really is by making Defect Dojo great, fixing things, migrating things, and just using it. So from not a security perspective, Defect Dojo doesn't really, it doesn't really get you the boots on the ground sense of how things should be organized within Defect Dojo. And then us going further into my career, I realized like, oh man, there really isn't a correct way to do security. There's so many different flavors and scents and all sorts of things that you can do to customize it. So you can essentially shift the model and right or left within Defect Dojo to accommodate almost your exact needs, but you just have to get a little creative in your naming conventions. Well, and that, that's something that I thought years ago when I was in college, one of the one of my fellow students did a research paper on an SAP implementation, right? And SAP is this huge enterprise management software thing. And SAP is very opinionated about how you do things, at least back when this happened. And this company actually implemented SAP so poorly, they put themselves out of business because they ended up having to re-engineer every single one of their business processes to be the SAP way. And all that turmoil basically <laughs> caused the business to go belly up. So the flexibility is really cool. I, I've never liked tools that sort of force you into their view of reality, but rather than being able to mold a tool into what you think is the right way. Because you're right, I've worked in a bunch of different AppSec places and they've all been different, radically different, um, just by the nature of the company and the p personnel there and what they care about. So what are the like, key features or the items that people really like about Defect Dojo? What's the, what are the, what's the draw? What are the things people talk about or say, or what have you? I think the number one thing is the number of, of tools that we support. We're over 150 different security tools that you can import from. We started out focusing on AppSec tools, but we've really tried to accommodate the other areas of security testing as well. So we support infrastructure tools. And likewise, if you don't think about things like an AppSec person, if you're very infrastructure focused, you can also flip the model. And rather than looking at vulnerable products, you can look at vulnerable endpoints. And so it's meant to have a little something for everyone. There's metrics, there's calendar scheduling. There is questionnaires for managing security intake from developers. And so a little bit of something for everyone. Nice. Is there any kind of new or interesting recently added feature that you should, you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I can think of a really cool one, actually. We've been toying with the idea of accommodating services, web services. A lot of the web applications that we see nowadays are instead of just being built on one giant platform and being shipped as a rock, essentially, you've got a bunch of pebbles making one big system, aka microservices. So it's in Defect Dojo. Now you can label specific scanners as, hey, this is from a particular service, here's the name of it. And then you can pseudo organize everything within your big bucket of findings for a given thing that you're scanning and testing against. So that's to help the situation where I have a product at a higher level, but that product is really 10, 15 repos of code potentially, right? That are managing different, the front end, the back end, the bunch of services, a mobile, whatever, iOS, Android, Right. You have all these different things that are in themselves 
different repos or products or projects or however you want to say that. But then I've got to, from a company perspective, I want to know that the Bob app is good, even though the Bob app is actually a web front end an iOS and Android and some number of backend services. Is that the idea? Yep. That's the idea. Just a way to slap labels all over the place. Nice. And what is the, so if I'm an AppSec person and I have Defect Dojo, what's a typical sort of workflow look like, or what are my options there? So it, you have a couple different options. Again, Defect Dojo is meant to be extremely flexible. So typically in any security program, you're going to have some sort of intake that can be something as simple as email, or you can use a Defect Dojo questionnaires. But ultimately, typically you have some sort of process to kick off an engagement with your developers and, and your counterparts. And then step two is sending your results from Defect Dojo, typically in a CI CD platform, but doesn't have to be into Defect Dojo to go through those distilling processes. And so finally, once you're happy with the automated algorithms, if you're going in manually, that's perfectly acceptable too. You can then push those results to where developers actually like to work. So think Jira, Slack, Microsoft Teams, et cetera. And so the goal is to reduce all the things that we don't like to do as security professionals, automate everywhere we can, and get back to doing what we actually like to do in security rather than the boring stuff. Well, speaking of boring stuff, great, great way to tee up the next question. How does Defect Dojo handle one of the less sexy, although I think somewhat important aspects of AppSec, like keeping a list or track of your apps and their profile? Or does it have a capacity to do that or how does it handle that situation? Like, can it do an inventory? Can I know that I have 10 apps and this business unit has three apps underneath it, or how does that all work? And which ones are internet facing, which ones are internal? All those kind of questions you ask around risk for apps, but you generally have to go knock on PM doors or bug product managers to get those answers. Yeah, we evaluate products or we allow people to evaluate their applications in a number of ways. So we do support things like hierarchies, for example, where you can sort of codify your org. We offer a product rating that you can define and you can set rules about how you think a product passes or fails when it relates to security. You can track regulations. There is also a ton of opportunities to track what part of the software development lifecycle an app is in. Some of it is automated. So for instance, when you're uploading results from static scanners, we're automatically adding the number of lines of code that it sees and also what languages that Defect Dojo sees them in. So there is a number of opportunities to slice it any way that you like to, although it is differently some of the more mundane areas, but maybe areas that leadership is a little more interested in. There's also benchmarks in which you can track against other OAuth standards. And so uh, a little something for everyone, depending on how you look at risk or, or what data that you care about. Well, and certainly like I know in the past, having that inventory around or an inventory of some sort around has been very useful for me to decide of my limited FTE resource, what am I going to sick the hounds on, right? I only have so many hounds to go let loose and understanding that it were there maybe chasing the most and juiciest of rabbits to, to really push my analogy far too hard um, is really a good and useful thing. It becomes a good source of truth over time 
but at the start you could maybe tie into an asset inventory system to get started but over time it becomes a good source of truth especially if you're keeping things regularly updated to maintain the CI/CD pipelines you were saying Cody I wanted to also highlight that there is a higher level above adding specific product criteria to identify what are the more high-risk applications. There's also a notion of something we call a product type, which is kind of like the business unit of your company. For example, if you wanted to make sure that maybe your payroll system and software are super secure, you'd want to put those into your finance bucket and ensure the resources get moved over that direction, maybe more, more frequent than maybe, I don't know, talent acquisition or something like that, or some other low priority business unit. So with what you're saying, then if I had, uh, let's say I'm a bank and I had an online banking presence, and I also had some maybe third party integrations for various credit checks or what have you, may the banking, obviously the online banking is probably the most public and the most spooky part of that. I could do then reporting on that piece of the business as opposed to a specific app, can I roll things up that way or how does that work? That's exactly how it works, yeah. So I can roll things up into any of those product types then for reporting? Yeah, sorry, I should have clarified. You can, as Greg has said, you can slice and dice however you feel appropriate into what really is important for you and your org to making decisions against. So why don't we, since we're talking about it, why don't we talk about the data model? Like how is data structured? We've talked about it being flexible, but what's the overall sort of view of the hierarchy of data inside of Defect Dojo? Maybe that would be useful to, to give people an idea of how the how Dojo, I don't know, sees the world? Maybe not be the right way, but how Dojo organizes the world. Sure, yeah. So in terms of what is rigid, because there is some flexibility in the structures, but generally speaking, at the highest notion, we have this notion of a product type, which is typically an organization or a business line. Product types have products, which is typically an application. You're usually tying it to an app owner. It's something to be tested. It can also be a microservice, but you can also specify microservices further down depending on how you think about security and how your company models. Products have engagements, which is usually the effort that you're trying to undertake. It could be quarterly PCI testing. It could be a CI/CD engagement that's continuously running. Engagements have tests, which is the tool being used. Tests have findings, which is what you found. And findings have endpoints, which is where it was located. And in the case of static scanners, endpoints are replaced with line numbers and file locations. And so if I go through this process of setting a product type product, engagement, test, et cetera, I end up with some findings. And you said that there's a way to push those to where developers want them. And I believe you said Jira. So how does that Jira integration work? Do I just, I run a scan and the findings instantly get dumped into a Jira backlog? How does that, how do I manage that flow of, I've got findings, now I want to validate them and make sure they're actionable and then hand them off the developers? How does that work? There's a number of means that you can use to, to validate whether you're doing it manually or using the Defect Dojo smart functions. But when it comes to Jira, we're typically mapping one Jira project to one Defect Dojo product. And you can make that run in an automated fashion. Or if you don't trust your security tools like me, you can push them manually. But one of the great things is that the integration is bi-directional. So Defect Dojo can say your source of truth. You don't have to leave Defect Dojo to go to check on Jira statuses. 
You can communicate with developers that are in Jira through the comments. And it should be, the goal is for it to be a good experience and where you don't have to leave your spheres and backlogs in which you like to work. So you're saying that I can have slightly less than 87 tabs open to get my job done? Maybe, <laughs> possibly. We're getting close. I know, like tabs for all, man. Oh my goodness. I remember when you used to have a single window browser back in the old days when the water ran uphill. So with any security tool, the authentication and authorization around it is a pretty crucial thing. How, do, how does Defect Dojo handle access to it? Is it a user password? Do you do... What do you do? Like, and is it is it like you're in and I'm in God mode, or is do you have any kind of roles, or how does all that work? With extreme paranoia, right? So, being security professionals, we built Defect Dojo on on top of Django, which already has a strong track and, and history for security, and you do get a number of security features out of the box with Django, specific to. Defect Dojo, though, we've gone further and implemented a number of things like like rate limiting, for example, that you can enable. And I believe we've done lockout as well, but I'll defer to Cody on that one. Cody's nodding yeah, yes. Okay. You can also use it with pretty much any SSO system. There's a means to support it and enable it, although you have to play with the settings, not quite out of the box. But, but yeah, with extreme paranoia and with every single security feature in check that we could possibly think of. So then I'm able to say, give a developer a login via, I don't know, let's say we use Google Auth, right? For lack of a better choice or whatever our SSO provider is, Okta, what have you. Um, I can then provide a developer with access to the whole system or just their thing or how broad is people's access once they're in? Oh, yeah, we do have full role-based access control, but all users come in at entry-level permissions, although we are working at adding groups from Microsoft AD to do mapping, but I don't believe that exists today. That's still being worked on. So currently, all users come in with the lowest permission, and then you can upgrade or assign them as the Defect Dojo admin sees fit. And yeah, that, that lowest permission is... I'm sorry, go ahead, Jerry. Sorry. I didn't mean to step in you there. My fault. The lowest permission is extremely bare bones too. So say for instance, you've got your app like program that's say six months old. You probably have a couple thousand findings, maybe a hundred products, maybe being a little more generous on those numbers than I should. Um, but a developer coming fresh into the system would see absolutely none of it because as Greg mentioned, the paranoia is very present in our mind and not having any kind of information disclosure is at the top of our priorities. So there's kind of a, a two-eye principle to ensure that the people coming in are able to see exactly what they're supposed to see after an admin or an owner of a product specifically by hand grants them access. Gotcha. So the default is pretty much see nothing until somebody gives you the ability to see more. Correct. Yeah. So if I wanted to get my hands dirty with Defect Dojo, but maybe I didn't want to do an install, do I have an option to, to play with this somewhere? We do. We have a public demo that anyone can log into and play with. And so just like security, it's also a balancing act on how we maintain this public demo. So basically it refreshes every hour. And so if there is people that are changing the password or are trying to deface or corrupt data. It will be reset every hour, but anyone is welcome to, to go and play with Defect Dojo and see what it's all about. If you have any problems, know it'll, it'll be back to normal in an hour. 
If you want to launch it in your own environment, there's also a image on the AWS marketplace. How do I find the demo? And I guess the AWS marketplaces go to the AWS marketplace. That's easy. How do I find the public demo? It's demo.defectojo.org, if my memory serves correct. That's correct. And the credentials are on the GitHub repo, a couple lines down in the readme. Okay. And I can drop links to these things in the show notes as well, so that people can grab them right off the show notes page. Let's talk about the flip side of this. We've talked about the product running. What's it, what's it like developing on Defect Dojo? Do you have any kind of, like, how do you handle PRs? Do you take PRs? How does all the development process work? The development process is pretty easy, comparatively speaking, to a lot of projects out there. Our main development vehicle for Defect Dojo is Docker Compose, which is generally what we recommend for production install as well. So that kind of ensures we have a lot of the same testing that we would see in development will be pretty identical to what you would realistically see in a production release. So getting started in development is really easy. There's a lot of readme docs and a lot of community support to help you get along. We love getting PRs, basically. We love when contributors just jump in, get their hands dirty, and just start getting experience and get a little more intimate with the tool. And while doing so, they get to learn a little bit about some of the people in the community and make some good relationships along the way. But if you're not feeling brave enough to do a PR, maybe it's a little intimidating or a little overwhelming, creating an issue about whatever problem you're having within GitHub is the go-to response as well. And to expand on that just a little bit, when I was first creating Defect Dojo and it was just me and Charles, basically we were thinking about how do we make it easy for people to be receptive to this tool, have it easy to get started with, easy to modify, easy to make your own. And that was one of the core tenets we were thinking about, just like when we were thinking about scalability, being able to modify and easily get started and not be intimidated by the code was something that was really important to us. That was part of the Django selection and going with Python. And so we hope that it is one of the easiest tools out there to get started with from a development perspective. And I think it has been, I think that's why we've been able to attract such a huge community, which is something we don't share and talk about a lot when we've talked about Defect Dojo previously. So hopefully that's some good insight for the people on the podcast that are interested in open source and how to do open source right. From a PR perspective, though we try to make it easy, we do try to balance that by ensuring we keep the code quality up because so many people rely on Defect Dojo. We're in a very interesting position where on one hand, we want to make the barrier to entry extremely low at the same time, we have to maintain that enterprise grade code base. And so when a PR is submitted to Defect Dojo, it goes through a number of automated checks. This includes things for dependency, analysis, functionality, performance, et cetera. And then we also have two people manually review it and sign off the pull request before it makes it in. And so this is our attempt to make contributions easy, but at the same time, um, keeping the code base in a great state for the people that are using it. The quality checks and all the stuff you have around the development, how frequently are you doing releases? Every month. Wow, every month. Is this major, minor? How does that happen? Like how, the, the releases, is it, we're not doing version one, version two, version three, I'm supposing. We're fairly far into version two, 2.11 or 2.12. So we're doing a minor release every month. So just like we are big advocates and fans of CI/CD, we try to also live and implement those values in the project. 
I'm supposing you might do point releases should something be amiss after you do a, a dot zero release. So sometimes it happens. Sometimes yeah. more release certain releases are or more problematic than others. Sometimes there are things that you think are going to go smoothly as part of a release, and then there's a surprise breakage. So when that happens, we will do um, additional releases out of cycle to get things back on track. Interesting. So that if I'm using Dojo and I have some issues, where do I go to talk to, well, I guess two things really, how big is the community? Do you have numbers on that? And then like, where does that community go to get help? So I've pulled down the Docker Compose from GitHub and I've got it running on my laptop and I'm lost. Where do I go from here? We're in the OWASP community Slack. So there is a number of Defect Dojo channels. The best one to go to is just pound Defect Dojo in the OWASP Slack to interact and speak with the community. It's massive. You're certainly not alone. It's much bigger than I ever expected it to be. So to date on Docker Hub, we have 50 million plus downloads. On average, we get about, I think, 8,000 unique visitors on our GitHub. Maybe that's every two weeks. But the net is that there's a ton of activity sort of in the, the tens of thousands on a month. I think it's about 27,000 views a month, give or take. And within that OAuth Slack, we're up to a little over 1,300 active users. And then we also have a dedicated development channel for those that are trying their hand at development work. And there's a little over 250 in there. So no matter which, which place you're going, you're likely going to get very ample help. What is the code that makes up Dojo? You've talked about getting community con contributions. What kind of, is this you know, just Greg and Cody doing PRs or how big is this PR? Like how broad is your, I guess, group of people who've put PRs or otherwise had commits into Defect Dojo? To date, there's been 286 contributors that have submitted code and had it accepted. Wow. Dang, that's huge. And I'm, is there a particular part of Dojo that seems to get the most contributions? I don't know. I, I would probably parsers. say the parsers. Parsers being the things that read the different security tool outputs, correct? Yes. Yeah. And I was a little off on the numbers. We have had just under 45,000 people check out Defect Dojo this month. Wow. Dang, that's crazy. That's awesome. Or 45,000 views. I guess it could be multiple people. And then all your click bots, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm unfortunately way too lazy for that. <laughs> or maybe way too busy. I, let's go with busy. Definitely not. Let's go with busy. Yeah. Busy's better than lazy. Um, but, um, well, we're also, getting kind of close on time. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, just to quickly note, too, I, I think the OAuth Slack channel, the standard one pound defect dojo, has doubled or so in the last six months. In the last three months, I know we went from 900 users to about 1,300. Wow. So yeah, the trajectory is in the right direction. So we're getting close on time. I wanted to make sure if there was something you wanted me to ask or I failed to ask, is there anything I've left off that you want to leave our listeners with? No, just, you know, we appreciate everyone who's made it to the end and bothered to listen. I hope you learned something new today about security, open source development. And no, we just really appreciate it. I'd like to make a quick shout out to our moderator team. We've got four very active moderators that actually do make a lot of the contributions. For example, Stefan Fleckenstein, he's probably our most, one of our most active contributors. He implemented the RBAC system over 
period of like a year and just made it really iron proof and incredible. Damien Carl reintegrated most of our parsers to make them a little more clean and handle a lot more errors, make them way reliable, honestly. And Gergens, a lot of great work on the Kubernetes and the endpoint deduplication and just a handful of other areas. He's touched a lot of stuff and really made it for the better. And then our newest member, Dubrovko Sepper, also a great Kubernetes guy making a lot of good changes around the project. It can help you get any of your PRs merged, help with general counsel, getting you along. There's all around awesome for the community and the project. And I suppose you've had com contributors come and go over time as well. We have, we have, yeah. It's been an amazing journey just to really quickly highlight and thank some of those other people, Aaron Weaver, if you're listening, Aaron helped us overhaul a lot of the user interface and how things are displayed and, and queried. Valentine Schloten, I, I, Valentine, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. I, that's the best pronunciation I got. Valentine helped in, in so many areas. We really appreciate everyone. Fred Blaze has helped with project management as well and automation and deployments. And so it has been a ton of effort to get to this point. So it sounds like you guys have, if nothing else, have gotten really good at interacting with a large, broad community that seems to be international. It's OWASP, so go figure. That's awesome. That's great. Any final thoughts or should we call it done? The split, that is an excellent point. The split is very interesting. It is truly about 50-50 in terms of US and EU representation. And then we have other folks who are also using it in Eastern Europe, but it, it truly is an international project in which the global community is participating. Excellent. Well, thank you all for burning some time with me today. I really appreciate it. And hopefully Defect Dojo will continue to be successful going forward. Thank you much for your time. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Matt. I'd like to thank No Name Security for making it possible for me to record this episode. No Name is a complete and proactive API security platform that protects APIs in real time and detects vulnerabilities and misconfigurations before they can be exploited. No Name is an out-of-band solution that integrates with your existing infrastructure to provide deeper visibility and security. Please give them a look.